Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. About eight years ago, might have been seven, I was listening to today's guest, Mark Devine, on Tom Billy's Inside Quest. And I was immediately captivated. Like, I cannot really actually put into words the thoughts that were going through my head. At the time, it was early in this journey, and he was talking about things that I always was interested in. Martial arts meditation, yoga. We come later to find that Mark was not only a Navy SEAL and an entrepreneur, business owner, author, podcast host, and Zen practitioner, but also just an incredible and giving human being. It's an honor for me today, literally, to be able to sit across from him and have this conversation on this podcast. There's times in our lives where we have the opportunity to sit and have conversations with people who may be our heroes or mentors or people that we look up to. And I do not take that lightly. And I don't take your time lightly either because I know the huge amount of investment that you spend when you come and share this experience with me. And so for that, I say thank you. Mark's journey is one that is really bathed in decisions like so many people, to go and create the life, to be the conspirer of your own journey and your own story. And like anyone on a vision quest to find out and better understand who he is. And I'm incredibly excited about this episode. Before we get in, I want to read a quote or a passage, I should say, from his book, Unbeatable Mind, just to kind of lay the context and the groundwork for the expectation of what you're about to step into. Yoga reinforced the notion that daily training and practice was more important than any specific teacher or skill. The journey of disciplining and yoking, the word yoga means to yoke, the mind, body, and spirit to still itself and focus on higher order notions of being and living is one of the greatest secrets to personal development. Just as the body will atrophy without constant training, the mind and spirit will not develop and will atrophy without a similar focus. 
My friends, I'm very excited to be with you today to share this incredible conversation with Mark Devine. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book dot thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com where you can get a copy of my number one best-selling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself. And that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show. But before we do, I'm going to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, a man's guide to being the hero of their own story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com to pre-order, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Navy SEAL, Mark Divine. Mark, my friend, how are you? I'm awesome, Michael. Good to see you. Thank you as well. Of course, it's an absolute honor. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm going to start the episode with a quote. The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What is called resignation is confirmed desperation. From the desperate city, you go into the desperate country. And you have to console yourself with the bravery of minks and muskrats. A stereotype but unconscious despair is concealed even under what are called the games and amusements of mankind. There is no play in them, for this comes after work. But it is a characteristic of wisdom not to do desperate things. Mm. Awesome. What, what does that mean to you? Oh, man. Well, it means... When people, when, when the mass of people, which is, you know, pretty much everybody until they decide otherwise, live by the story that they've been taught is the story of their you know, culture or the norm, right? Normalization of, uh, of a life to fit within their constraints, which are, are a construct. And so, unfortunately, when you live to someone else's construct of reality, you're missing your own reality, your own potential, your own possibilities, your own creative force and energy. And it may seem okay for a while because you can have success if you follow the rules of that construct. And so you can have financial success like you and I talked about on my podcast. You can have, uh, you know, a lot of things that, that, that appear to be worthy, like even a great social media following, right? Or the success of the Kardashians. <laughs> but you may also be living a life of just quiet desperation because your spirit's just crying out the, the real, the truth, right? The life of no regrets at a spiritual, holistic level, life force level. Anyways, that's kind of a more drawn, I could have given you a very simple answer is that live a life, no regrets, right? So you don't have the, 
the quiet desperation that you're going to get to the end of your life. And, you know, like what they, when they interview people who are on their, on or near their deathbeds, they rarely ever say they want more money. They want more accomplishments. They want more degrees. They want more boats. They want more girlfriends. You know, they always say they wish they regret not spending more time with their family. They regret not following their passion and, and aligning with their purpose. They regret not playing more, not music, not being more creative, not spending more time in nature. So li living a life of quiet desperation is allowing those regrets to build up and not taking control and living the life you're meant to really that's possible for you. And that's a reality that I think, unfortunately, so many people face. True. And I, I know because this is not easy, right? Yes. What I just described and what you describe in your podcast is it's the path less taken, right? Like right, right, right. So it's the, it's the right path, not the left path. The left path is the common, it's the ordinary, it's the, it's the habituated path. The right path is the unknown, you know, it's the scary path, but it's the path to freedom. Most people don't take it because it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I know that you were faced with an interesting decision to make in your youth that I want to get into. There, there was a sign on a door that, that called to you, right? There was something about this idea that you could be someone special. Mm -hmm. But that day, the store happened to be closed. <laughs> That's right. It was a store. And Selling. you made it. Selling something unique. <laughs> <laughs> and you made a decision to go back. Why? You know, it's the same thing that spoke to me as what spoke to you when you stared at yourself in the mirror, you know, 13 years ago and said, no, not this anymore. And I was living, you know, I, I guess I feel my, I feel that I'm incredibly fortunate to have had my midlife crisis at 21 years old or 22 years old, <laughs> because I already experienced that desperation already. You know, I, I could sense because I had started a, a meditation, um, when I went to New York city after graduating Colgate university, I went to New York city and I, and I went, I was following that drumbeat of that cultural norm, you know, to get into the white collar work and become a, you know, consultant and then maybe, um, likely into investment banking or trading, you know, and make a ton of money like my peers were and their fathers and parents and, and maybe go back and, and be, uh, run my family business, which had been around for over a hundred years. Well, it's not an insignificant business. You know, it's 400 employees and had created a lot of wealth for our family or stability, I should say. And so I was following that dream, but, um, and had I not found meditation, where I could sit in quietude and develop the stillness and develop the connection to my spirit, so to speak, that showed me the contrast, right? It created a contrast in my life. It created like this, this version of Mark over here that felt really whole and calm and clear. And then this version of Mark over here, which was just blindly and without knowing that this whole construct was basically shaped in my mind through my, you know, from my childhood up to that time, blindly following that path. And I felt this discordance, which, you know, was the same discordance as that feeling of quiet desperation, like, holy shit, this doesn't feel like me. I don't like this. It's not comfortable. I don't want to be in a suit and tie every day. I can't stand being inside all, all the time at an office or, you know, pecking away at a computer. And I started to feel desperate mainly because I greatly accelerated the experience through meditation of what could be something different, you know, what could be the possibilities, what's real in my life in terms of what my, what, why I'm on this planet. I wasn't on this planet just to make money. I was on this planet for a very specific purpose. I don't think I would have found that had I not found meditation. So anyways, that contrast caused me to start asking questions different kinds of questions. And, um, it started out with the negation, right? And I think we, we actually find truth through negation by asking what's, what things aren't because the true reality of ourselves, we can never actually describe. And so you can only get there through negation. So I asked myself, you know, 
when I asked who am I and I found, you know, that I, I started to say, well, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a CPA, even though I've got a CPA, I don't feel, or heading toward that. I don't feel like I'm a, I should be a business guy, even though I'm in business. It just didn't feel like me. So I, you know, I kind of started checking off the things that I wasn't through negation. And then, and that left, you know, me to ask the question, well, what am I? Who am I? If I'm not that, and I didn't have an answer. So I just kept meditating on it, kept meditating, kept meditating, hopeful that an answer would come. And that's when I saw that sign in the window when I was walking home one day and the store was selling hope, was selling dreams. It was a Navy recruiting office. And the poster was a picture of Navy SEALs. It didn't say Navy SEALs. It didn't say like U.S. Navy SEALs be someone special on the bottom. It said, be someone special. And then it just had pictures. And I had heard of the SEALs, but I really didn't know what they were. And I certainly wasn't looking to be in the military. I was just looking for something you know, for some identity besides what I was experiencing. And, um, uh, I remember just standing transfixed going like, holy shit, that's it. That's what, you know. My voice has been, my inner spiritual voice has been trying to whisper to me that not only is that not it, that Mr. Mark Divine CPA chasing after money and in this life of, you know, growing quite a desperation, but you're meant to be a warrior. And I didn't really quite grasp that until I saw those pictures and it just spoke to me. I was like, that's what I am. That's what I'm meant to be. That's what I'm meant to do. Mind you, I didn't say I'm meant to be a Navy SEAL. I just said I'm meant to be a warrior. Because I believe that our that our callings in life are more archetypal than specific, like a career slash, you know, um, job or, or um, vocational. They can align, right? You can align and your archetypal purpose with a vocation, like being a military warrior, like you wanted to be and like I was, but it doesn't have to be that way. A warrior can show up in many different ways, you know, many different professions. And I've, been a warrior as a as an athlete i've been a warrior as a navy seal i've been a warrior as a thought leader right podcaster author so that was it i had cultivated the ability to listen better internally and that's what allowed me to hear you know, this discordant growing sense of discontentment. I felt it. I heard it. It didn't, you know, it created an identity crisis early in my life. And then I believe that when you start asking better questions, you start aligning with that spiritual drive or inner, you know, true essential nature of ourselves. Then the universe starts to kind of organize itself along those lines, right? Because you're repatterning your mind and the mind is going to show you what it needs in the world. And that's why I was shown that poster. I think often people are shown the signs, but they just don't take heed of them. Right. You know, and, and I know in your story, and this is why I asked the question that was right there. It's in front of you. It's like, Hey, Mark here, dude, it's pretty overt, but served up on a silver platter. Very. And oftentimes so. they are, but you just ignore them. You miss them. Like you said, or, or it's not the exact time, right? Cause you had to go back to the recruiter's office. That's right. Well, and it took me, that happened. Let's say I joined the Navy in November of 1989. That happened in 1986. It took me three more years to develop, you know, the courage to develop the, even the capacity and to be accepted into the Navy as one of two people in 1989, who got accepted to go into officer candidate school with a follow on orders to go to SEAL training. Where you it wasn't like you can't this? just snap your fingers and say, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL and go be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> no shit. I would totally be that if I could. <laughs> were, were you obsessed with this? Was this consuming you? Like what was happening in that transpiring in that window of time? Well, it was, it was like a slow build. Initially, it was me, you know, after I saw that poster and even went and spoke to both the officer and list recruiters and, you know, got them basically trying to tell me, don't do it, you know, trying to deter me because they knew the long, you know, the odds were pretty stacked against me. 
but I, um, you know, so I, I just sat with that and I had to sit with all the doubt. I had to sit with all the people, you know, when I, when I first was sharing the idea with people, I learned that that was a bad idea. You know, like we talked about earlier, uh, the, the, you know, people aren't necessarily your allies. Your inner circle isn't necessarily your allies when you are considering a major transformation or, or change in your life, because, you know, you're basically moving away from their codependent relationship with you and you're not going to need them anymore. They're not going to need you. And so that a lot of times they'll try to hold you back or tell you, don't do this, or you don't need this. And I can't tell how many people told me, I don't need to do that. You know, the, the military is for people who can't do what you're doing. Mm. I mean, and that's not true at all. It's not true, but it is true. Yes. Right. And so think about your situation and countless others. Like the military is an incredible path for people who perceive there to be limited other options. And it's a phenomenal jobs and skills training and character building program for people who grew up in traumatic families or in the middle of nowhere to get off the farm. It's a phenomenal place to go to for the GI bill and to get cut your teeth for four to six years. I mean, in upstate New York, you know, and certainly with my father, the military was, you know, almost for losers. Like that was unspoken, but I hated, I hate saying that now because, but I believe he felt that it was for people who really couldn't or screwing up. And the reason he felt that way is because he screwed up by getting drunk and driving his car into his fraternity house at Union College and standing in front of a judge and the judge saying, you know, dude, you fucked up. You either can A, you know, spend some time in jail or B, spend some time in the army. And he goes, B, I'll take B. And so he found himself in Germany in the 11th Airborne. And it was a, mm. you know, it was a, decaying unit at the end of the cold war that didn't really have much of a mission. And so they were all drinking and you know, just morale was horrible and discipline was horrible. And so he had a horrible experience and, you know, built on top of it being punishment. Right? And so for me to even a, a hint that I might be thinking of the military was like, I was throwing everything away and same thing with my mom, my mom, you know, told me like the Navy SEALs were baby killers. How could I do it? I'm like, what? Holy shit. So I learned not to share those innermost dreams with people who were going to not support it. You know? That's, that's so powerful. I wrote a note of a quote that you said, you said you had to turn your back on your family and you had to kill your ego to find your path. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, by the way, I've since, you know, I would rephrase that. Sure. I don't yeah, think yeah. you can kill the ego, but you got to kill the story that got you where you are, which is an aspect of your personality, right? It's the mm -hmm. construct, which I love that term. It's a construct of your mind that turns into a series of mental models and beliefs and identities that you hang on to as if that's you. And this is why, you know, the desperation is so hard to move away from because you're trapped in that identity. And so you just, people just stay with it and live a life of regret or regrets plural until, or gratefully they hit the midlife crisis or they have the huge, you know, health issue or something and they, and they suddenly hit the wall and are forced to change. And that's actually a blessing in disguise. So meditation and self inquiry is a way to avoid all that pain and suffering and to do a deliberative process of deconstructing those mental models and belief systems and habituated patterns and conditioning that got you where you are, which isn't working. And then you realize, you recognize that you have the power to create something entirely new and to reconstruct a new identity with whole new belief systems, mental models, and, and, and patterns that you deliberately condition through habituation. And it takes a little bit of time, but at the end of that process, and, and then you also learn, Michael, that that's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done or, or, or I, you know, I, I, I create this new kind of Michelangelo out of this different block or the same block and I change it. You become an ever changing creation, an evolutionary force of your own. And so that, you know, the Marco, Michael, Marco, like the Mark or the Michael who shows up tomorrow is going to be different than the person who shows up today because we're naturally allowing that river of our mind to evolve, you know, in, the, in a, in a more powerful direction and you're not trying to block it. 
and you should embrace it. And I think people fear that so desperately, right? That's where the desperation for me used to exist. I was so scared of potential, so scared of what could be because we get inundated with these ideas of what we're supposed to be from the people around us, from our community, from our upbringing. I mean, hell, from television these days, right? And, you know, it's deep concentration and focus that I believe allows you to step into that place of creating the the mental capacity to be able to evolve into what you have the capability of being. And one of the things I've been very curious about, because people always talk about, you know, meditation, journaling, we're we're not saying anything new. But what I want to dive into is, is there a space in your journey where you've had to reconcile like being a warrior, but also being Zen? Like, how did that, that's such a dichotomy. Like, how does that exist in sync with each other? I don't see it as a dichotomy. It's just a misperception, right? And okay. So combining action and non-action is like thinking about the Navy SEAL warrior and the Zen warrior. Uh, both are incredibly important. And the Zen has been missing, even in the warrior arts for many, many years, right? As you think about like the, uh, the samurai or even the Spartans, right? They, maybe they didn't call the samurai didn't, or the Spartans probably didn't call it meditation, but they did it, right? And they understood that you had to combine the hard with the soft, the action with the inaction. And they had to come together. And I've used in my training with my clients and I'm mind this idea of the in, an infinity loop. And on one side of that infinity loop is action. It's a creative expression. It's performance. It's doing. And the other side of that infinity loop is non-action. It's being. It's receptivity. It's you know, akin to the yin and the yang. The yin is receptivity. It's the feminine principle. The yang is activity and the masculine principle. And if you were to fold... Well, we stop there. So ideally, you know, you are moving between these two in a constant pattern, a smooth pattern, right? Action, non-action, recovery, receptivity, creativity, action, doing, learning, growing, recovery. And so this, these become um, two, two aspects of how you operate and who you are. And the more adept you become, at this philosophy, which usually means the more work of introspection, the more work you spend on the internal, the creative, the, the, uh, the inside, then the more of these things, this idea collapses to a single point. And this is what it means by being perfectly present. In perfect presence, there's both action and stillness. And you're not living from memory or imagination. You're just here and your, and your actions and thoughts and words become aligned in total integrity and they're spontaneous. The Japanese warriors have a word for that called shibumi, effortless perfection. And that's what I strive for. Ironically, if you take that infinity loop and you collapse it on itself, it becomes the yin-yang symbol. Mm. And the yin-yang symbol, you see often one version of it, you see a, a black dot in the white side of it and a white dot in the black side, or oftentimes just a dot in the middle. And that is akin to what I was talking about, where ultimately there's action in inaction and inaction in action. I know it's hard to say that, but they coexist and they co-arise. And I call that simultaneity. I, I was literally about to ask you if there's equilibrium yes. in this experience. It's, and it then- takes time to train that, but ultimately it's equilibrium. It's in balance. It doesn't, it's not experienced that way in a, in the time space continuum. Because action and doing always takes longer than being, uh, which is spontaneous. Like, for instance, you know, taking our examples, we made our decision to change our lives in a single moment that then took years to play out, right? And so in the field of potential, in the yin field, all potential lies and one thought, one powerful thought or one decision, one choice, one intention can change everything in the field of action. But you can't, without an extraordinarily powerful mind, you can't change everything right now with the snap of a finger. It takes time to play out because you have a lot of 
inertia, a lot of buildup of energy, past energy and momentum with things from choices you made years ago and the way you were thinking years ago. But you'll never change if you don't make that choice. So you make the choice and then you start changing things. And if you start getting really, really clear, you recognize, oh, the choice, the, the master choice is to change, to transform in the direction, right? If that direction is the right direction because it's aligned with your purpose, your archetypal purpose, and you're very clear upon how you're going to fulfill that purpose, that would be my, in my world, my mission. Then you can start getting really clear about what actions or behaviors can I change right now to deconstruct and move away quickly from the way I was living to where I want to go. And you can take like five powerful actions a day and within a year you can transform everything in your life. But um, that's unusual level of thinking, right? Yeah. It, it's not impossible. It's great. And, and in fact, today it's more possible than ever before because of all the information that's out there, all the podcasts, all the mentors, all the great books, everything that like you relied on. I didn't have any of that. I had Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich, mm -hmm. right? And I had Jim Rohn's book and, and, and then Tony Robbins, right? So which, which he helped me uh, literally just become more positive. <laughs> And understand how important it is to be positive and not negative, right? Yeah. And and that's kind of the direction I, I actually want to go. It's so funny you say that. When I wrote my first book, I started it with a very strong sentence because I wanted it to resonate with people. Child abuse is war. Yeah. But but we live in war all the time. Like there's a literal war. There's wars you've been in. There are the military wars. There's the war of the mind. There's the war of the experience. Like I think about Sun Tzu often in this, there's the art of war. But you said something I think is really important. You said you have to kind of let go. You have to let your past be what it is to be able to move into who you are. People get trapped, Mark. Mm -hmm. How do you get untrapped? from war you have to um as a warrior you learn and um, this is an important thing to learn that fighting the enemy with revenge right with um wrath with hate weakens you and makes you a worse person. You turn into essentially your own war criminal. Mm. And that is not necessary. You can be a warrior with love in your heart. You can be a warrior with forgiveness and acceptance. You can be a warrior with non-attachment to fighting, you know, with negative energy and, and just do the job, just get it done. You know, that's the ultimate warrior. Like we, the ultimate warrior Navy SEALs is doing because they serve the country, not because they're wrathful negative energy, you know, vehemently opposed to the individuals they're trying to, you know, destroy. Uh, the ultimate warrior has love and respect for his or her enemies. And the ultimate warrior, the trained warrior is the last one to use violence. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive, it's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. This is why, like, if we trained our culture this way, there would be no violence because you're literally training as a warrior in the way I'm talking about this holistic sense evolves the character to the highest level possible. And an enlightened warrior would never use violence unless it was absolutely necessary and there were no other options whatsoever and then it would use violence discriminately and with forgiveness and love in your heart 
Is there a place for the dark side of energy to be a factor in that conversation? You can't get away from dark side of energy. You know, we think we live in this, we live in this world. We do we live in this factual world of polarities, but in the real world, in a spiritual sense, there is no polarity. There's, you know, it's just, just, it's just like a scale of consciousness and there's less consciousness and there's more consciousness and less consciousness in the world duality we look at as evil and more consciousness in the world duality we look at as love. So you can't, you know, if you step into fear, if you're a loving person, but you're not permanently there, you're not vibrating there, you haven't trained yourself to be there. It's just a temporary state and you can get triggered into fear, which then turns into anger and aggression and retribution. Then you're no better than someone who's permanently there. You just temporarily are able to pull yourself out of it. I mean, you, you could say you're better when you're out of it, but when you're in it, you know, you're the, you're at the same level of energy. This is why war on blank leads to more blank, right? War on terror leads to more terror. The war on drugs leads to more drugs. The war on poverty led to more poverty. It's because you're meeting the negative energy at the same level that created it. And, and it just exacerbates it. It magnifies it. Yeah. And so at an individual level, you know, if you're, if you want to fight things that are bad in your life, don't fight it at the same level that created it. You have to go to a whole new level. And that level yeah. includes acceptance and for forgiveness and self, uh, love. That's, that's like the magic pill. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think people struggle and I, I did for a long time because I thought self acceptance and love was drugs and money and food and cars. And then what I realized actually what it was, was being okay with who I am. But so many people struggle with that, with that I, idea that they have control over their identity. And, and I'll reference what you mentioned earlier, this idea about the construct of the matrix. And I, I do fully believe we have the ability to change everything around us, to be the arbiter of our future, to be the one in control. But I don't think people understand the framework of the baseline of stepping into that level of control. Mm -hmm. Does that come through meditation? Does that come through? Zen? It can. It can't. Well, it comes through some practice that takes you away from the limiting constructs and the contraction into um, believing the stories, right? And so a practice like yoga, and I don't mean stretchy bendy yoga, I mean the, the practice of unification, which is yoga, um, reintegration, or, you know, whether it's, it, you know, and yoga shows up in many forms, you know, in its Buddhist form as meditation, in its you know, Chinese form as Qigong, you know, or, or Kung Fu or the martial arts, you know, that I did, or in it's Western form, you know, which is unbeatable mind where we, you know, it's a Western form of yoga as I understood yoga, which is the oldest science of personal development on the known to humankind, thousands and thousands of years old. And so a path of yoga or a path of um, integration or wholeness is a practice. It means you, you are recognizing that, that through effort, you can improve your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of your being, which will lead you to be more positive, to vibrate at a higher level, to have more health uh, and energy and abundance in the world. And then as you continue that practice, you, you're led more into the spiritual dimensions and and you start making decisions more from that perspective and not for the material success and the achievements and the, and the resume. Um, ultimately, though, the practice itself becomes the obstacle because then you track and identify yourself as this person who has got this practice and it's, this practice is what's leading you to that wholeness or fullness. And, and, and so then you become task-oriented and task-saturated with the practice. And then you're not able to like literally surrender into the reality, the true reality, your true nature, your essential nature, which is beyond doing or efforting. This is actually what happened to me. Like I, my Zen practice was one of concentration and it was an extraordinary, powerful way for me to train my mind 
And, and then of course the seals amplified that because seal training is just like concentration on steroids. You know, seals are extraordinarily focused and attentive to their task and their mission and very, very talented. But, you know, that doesn't work for developing at a spiritual level because efforting eventually will lead you only so far. And then you have to let go. You have to be able to surrender. You have to be able to step into that yin because all practice is all on that, on that left side of that infinity loop, right? It's, it's all on, or the, whichever side you saw when you were, when I was drawing that loop, it's on the actions, the yang side and finding total peace, contentment and presence or being able to live in this now moment where, you know, the, where, where the act of perceiving is everything. And the perceiver and the perceived collapse into the moment that can only be found through total surrender. I've so, often thought to myself, perception is reality. Yeah. Well, perceiving is reality. Mm, break that perception is see, there's three aspects to how we show up in the world. There's the, let me use the term knower. There's the knower, which is you or me. There is the known which is either knowledge or, you know, this perceived reality or an object, right? And then there's this process, which is the knowing. And what I'll, you know, my correction there wasn't meant to say you're wrong, but you're, it, it means you're close to the truth. But the real truth is what's only real in the moment is the act, is the knowing. And the known and the knower are not real in that moment. They're, they're, they're temporary, they are temporary, um, aspects of this time space continuum we call physical life that are created and co-created to help us experience that which we are knowing in that moment. <laughs> where right? does this this is this, this is my philosophy but i i do believe after you, when you investigate deeply on the path of um on a spiritual practice and i don't mean like religion i mean like true spiritual practice where you're trying to understand the nature of reality and your reality or what you would call your your whole self or your spiritual self or whatever one is inevitably led to this conclusion that the body you know, is a projection or creation of the mind and this entire world that exists in time and space is also a projection of the mind or creation of the mind and that everything is actually happening in this one timeless eternal moment, which is not like timeless because it goes on forever, but it's happening in only one moment, this moment, which is beyond time, it's beyond even the understanding of time. Yeah. And that makes me think of a, a quote that your mentor taught you one day, one lifetime. Right. And he, he, yeah, what, what really that becomes is one moment, one lifetime, mm. but you know, to help a warrior kind of orient the life, the idea was, oh, let's, let's just make it at least a day. Don't, don't construct your life beyond this day. Everything that exists beyond this day is either fantasy if you're untrained or it's a, it's a coke, it's a created future. When you talked about visualization earlier, it's a created future that you decide upon and then you imagine it and then you visualize it. And then that, what that does is, is, is imprints a memory because the brain, when you think with your brain, you always are thinking with, with memory or fantasy and fantasy is always built upon some sort of imagery or idea that you've seen or heard or read and so or 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 constructed out of something maybe that happened in altered state experience like a psychedelic journey you know so like some of our best sci-fi came from psychedelic journeys and some of our coolest art and whatnot and so when we're when we think solely with our brain meaning when you merge with your thoughts and you haven't developed this witnessing capacity which, which accrues through meditation practice and other types of practices similar, then you're always acting 
thinking and acting from memory. In the past sense, that's, that's something that happened to you. And usually that's, you know, a memory of some disaster because we tend to magnify the bad and the negative in our lives over the positive. And so that leads us to have more of that because we remember that and we, we fixate on it in our memory. Or it's some imagined future, which is often um, unknown to us. And so it becomes either fear or desire, you know, because we, you know, let's say you look at a billionaire and you're like, wow, I, I wish I had a yacht like that, but I don't know how I could ever get there. And it's not me, that's him or her. And so, you know, there's this, this sense that you, it's not you, which creates this gap, yeah, this fear. And so when you practice in the way that I'm talking about you, you, in this one day, one lifetime principle is that you look at that and say, you know what, none of that exists. What really exists is what's right in front of me right now. And you practice just starting out with just today. What can I, what if today was my last day on this planet? How can I live this day with no regrets? And how can, and I'm not talking about going into a bacchanalian feast of this, you know, as if the uh, meteor was going to hit the earth. That's a different story, right? Go ahead and drink, drink up a storm, have a good time. Cause if that's truly the last day, then let's go, go, go out of the bank. <laughs> But um, I'm talking about is with the, with the expectation that the sun will rise tomorrow. But, you know, and especially with a warrior, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee with anybody for that matter. So what can make today the best day possible where I'm moving toward fulfilling my like, purpose? I'm moving toward bringing more love and light into the world. And I'm going to go to sleep tonight with, with learning, growing, and no regrets. And wow, what a powerful powerful principle because you, you completely construct your life very differently than just barreled along in survival mode or, or, um, or like kind of like the walking zombie of the average business professional, you know, just going through the motions. I want to step into that gap for a moment. Sure. Because I think that that's the, that's obviously, as you said, the disconnect, that's where the fear is. That's where all the things that stop you from being able to build and create that thing that you want in your life or believe or envision you can have exists. Where, where is the space to move through the gap? Like, what is it? Is there a tool? Is there a thought process? Like, sure. how, how do you go from, man, I can see it. But I live like, like I got a million years left. There are many paths, right? As there are as many paths as there are people, but there are certain obstacles and certain generalities that uh, we can point to that have worked well for others and work well for me and for my clients. First is it's very difficult to step into that gap if you're radically unhealthy. Right. Like when you were 350 pounds and smoking cigarettes every day and drinking, you know, and, and when I used to drink every day, like it was difficult for me because that becomes your obsession or that becomes, you know, even the opposite of that becomes your obsession. Like, I wish I wasn't doing this or I, yes. you know, I drank a little bit too much last night. So you're, you're starting the day at a deficit. And I don't know how many people listening right now are probably thinking, yeah, that's me. I, I drink a glass of wine every night. Well, that's fine. But maybe, you know, maybe it shouldn't be every night because you started at a deficit. Or if it's two glasses of wine, you started a deficit. Maybe not one, but two. Right? And so, um, and so that becomes kind of the focus. So you got to get yourself physically healthy. Because of uh, a physically healthy body means a physically healthy brain, which means now your brain is going to be supporting you in your spiritual practice or your holistic practice, your life practice. So then that, the second thing is stress. So getting healthy will help alleviate a lot of the built up stress and, and rebalance the body. But we also take on stress every day and, and your brain gets agitated. And so we end up with this kind of like these loops in our brain where we get triggered all the time because our brain is agitated and also trained to be triggered into fight or flight. So we become, we, we become unable to concentrate and to, to settle down to find any stillness, which is the path to finding that, you know, that space that we're talking about finding to create a new identity. And so we prescribe, I prescribe and have been since 2006, a practice called box breathing, which is basically, you know, nostril deep diaphragmatic breathing with a hold after the inhale and the exhale, five count in, five count hold, five count out, five count hold. And what this does is it, it, it massages your vagus nerves. It gives you all this oxygen and life force. It strengthens your mind. It's a concentration practice. And it's arousal control practice, which means it's, it's um, activating your parasympathetic nervous system, which is countering 
the fight or flight response, the sympathetic nervous system response. And so it's, it's taking your brain and body into a state of calm alertness, you know, which if they were to do a QEG, you'd, you'd have kind of an alpha, beta, high alpha, low beta kind of brain waves in your executive uh, functioning areas, neocortex, which is felt or experienced as subjective state of calm alertness. And with that calm alertness, you're able to turn your attention inward to begin to investigate the nature of your inner reality, that yin, that, that potential side of that infinity loop, and away from just outward focus and action. And so this is where now a practice of meditation starts to become effective. And most people don't ever get there because they're too agitated, too out of shape, and they haven't trained the arousal control response to get into that sympathetic or balanced state. And so they try to sit down and meditate and their minds are all over the tape, all over the place, like what Tom Ballou calls thinkitating. And, and now sitting down and breathing and listening to headspace or something has health benefits, but it's not the same as meditating the way I'm talking about where you've calmed your body, mind, and you're able to turn your attention inward. And now you're, you're looking for the source of awareness itself. The aspect of you that absolutely just is here present knows that it's alive and knows that it's thinking is even aware while you're dreaming and sleeping. It's beyond the consciousness of the mind. It's pure awareness. And you look for that. And when you intentionally look for that, when you've trained your mind through arousal control, attention control, concentration, and mindful awareness, which are four steps or, or preliminary stages in this meditative process, then you're able to turn attention, turn your inward attention around to look for attention itself to look for awareness itself. In a way, um, one of my meditation instructors, Dan Brown, called this awareness, finding awareness through awareness. Love that. It can't not find itself. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Right? And awareness is found in that present moment. So you just keep coming back to that present moment, coming back to that present moment, coming back to that present moment. One of the most profound practices, which has become my practice after I learned to stop efforting and to surrender, is the practice of asking, who am I? And this was Ramana Maharshi's practice, an Indian sage. And it comes from a, a tradition of yogis who found that this is the simple and most profound way. And didn't require, you know, you to be, a, you know, a, a cave or, or part of a monastery or you know, do all sorts of ablutions and cleansings and 30 years of meditation and just keep coming back to asking yourself, who am I? And you find that at the reality level, as you get more and more acute with your awareness, that you're not the identity, you're not, first of all, you're not the things that you do or accomplish in your life. Like I am not the Navy SEAL. I am not the MBA CPA. I'm not the guy doing this podcast or hosting this podcast. That is an aspect of the reality, but it's not my true reality. So move beyond that. No, no, you go into the internal, the concepts, right? The virtual world. I am not these thoughts. I am not these beliefs. I am not this identity. Okay. And so then you ask if I'm not that, then who am I? And you keep getting closer and closer to the truth, right? Like you look around in your, in your awareness and try to find Michael. Close your eyes and everyone's listening. Don't do it if you're driving. Close your eyes and try to find Sally, Mark, John, Bill, Fred. Like where, where do you look? Is it in your heart? Is it in your big toe? Is it somewhere in your brain? You're like, no, it's an identity. It's an idea. Okay, so then where's that idea? Is it in the left side of my brain, the right side of my brain? Is it, in, is it in my forehead or is it in my belly? All the ideas. What is an idea? Right. And what, and I have that idea, then it's gone. Then, it's, then I have another idea, then it's gone. And I have another idea. And so we find out that we're just a bunch of thought streams that come and go and arise. But what's always present is awareness. And so you say, well, I'm not even those thought streams. And without those thought streams, I still am. Oh, so that's who I am. I am that which exists beyond before and after all of those other things beyond this idea that because even like what is this physical body when you look at it at a quantum level it's just no different than a chair it's just organized differently right it's just quantum bits and bytes and quibits and you know right that are organized into 
atoms that are organized into molecules that are organized into you know cells that are organized into organs that are organized into this thing we call a human body but you deconstruct it all and we're just energy and so is that chair and so is this microphone so am i am i really any different than this microphone i am in the sense that i have more consciousness anyways it's a fascinating journey and i encourage everyone to take that journey because it transforms everything in terms of how you view the world and how you live your life because you then you find that still center point in your actions and it makes you more powerful and, and you have the full access to your, your entire creative force as a human being. You don't yeah. live in limitation anymore. That that's exactly the journey I went down and I'm so glad that you brought light to that. And I, I hope that people will rewind and go and listen to what you just said again, Mark, this has been an absolutely incredible conversation, my friend. Before I ask you my last question, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, look for me in the quantum. No, I'm just <laughs> I am actually a hardcore Navy SEAL too, so uh, don't think I'm all airy fairy here. I just, um, I just fascinated with this stuff. Um, MarkDivine.com is my website, and it kind of can point you to the other stuff. If you're interested in our training, Unbeatable Mind, go to UnbeatableMind.com. If you are a warrior and you want to challenge yourself in the hardest training in the world check out sealfit.com and I'm available. You know, you can find me on Instagram and um, Facebook at real Mark divine, Twitter at Mark, Div no, just Mark divine stuff like that. Brilliant. Of course, put all my the books are on Amazon, books. you know, easy day to find those. If you were looking, if you're interested in what I'm having to say, then there's two probably places to start with my books. One is called unbeatable mind. And that's like my philosophy, the self-published book, kind of like yours and broken where I talk about, my philosophies of life. And I don't really get into the metaphysics like we did here because I wrote that in 2014 and I've updated it, but um, I kept it at a practical level, as you know, because you've, you've read that. Yes. But I go into box breathing and concentration and, you know, all the, like get people on a path to wholeness. And then the way of the seal is really, so unbeatable mind is really more about the yin side of that equation. And, and the way of the seal is the yang. Like how do you bring this stuff into to kick ass and take names in the real world with practical skills? thinking like a Navy SEAL and leading like a Navy SEAL. I love it. And I love both of those books, so I do highly recommend. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Yeah, I love that. Well, it's, it's similar to what it means to be unbeatable. It's to be whole. If you're whole, you can't be broken. If you're not whole, then it means you're already broken. You know, or you just haven't. And maybe you haven't been deliberately broken, but you just came to this world and you didn't learn how to put the pieces together, right? So to be unbroken means to be whole. What is to be whole means? You have to find that out for yourself. It's going to be different for everybody. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that Unbroken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do, shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, 
emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.